happening everyone welcome to a brand new episode of total football club brought to you by the blue wire hustle network my name is alex perez you can follow us on twitter on instagram on facebook and now on tiktok at total food club subscribe to the podcast apple podcast spotify youtube wherever you get your podcast you can find total football club right there rate review it goes a long way and of course we appreciate that you can follow me on twitter and on instagram at alex perez fc we have some show for you all this week we're going to talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer we're going to talk about Xavi and we're going to end it with some fun would you rather questions but before we begin with any of that I got to bring on my guy Chris Sued with that clean Chelsea kit from last season the European Championship season Chris how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Alex. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I, I, everything has been uh, awesome on this side. Finally, the international break is over. We're back. So I'm a, I'm a very happy camper. How, how you been? How you, how's everything? Oh, I'm, I'm doing good, man. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're, that you're doing good. And it sounds like you speak for a lot of people when, when it comes to the international break. And you know what? I'm I'm kind of glad that it's over too because of some of the results and because of what happened on last week's podcast. But I'm doing okay. Like I was saying before we started recording, everything would be a little bit better if Chicago wasn't as windy as it is. But we wouldn't be the windy city if it wasn't <laughs> that windy. How about we get into into the first topic, Chris? What do you think? Should we start? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an interesting one. Ali Gunnar Solskjaer and his replacement. Oh my uh, goodness. Yeah, there's a lot of rumors going on right now. And I know there's there's some that make sense uh to me as a fan. There's some that make sense to Man United, like the way they operate. I mean, they're talking a possibility is that Michael Carrick's gonna stay the interim till the end of the year. If that happened, I don't know why they, they side golly, even though there's plenty of reasons for it, but um if if it were me, I would try everything in my power to try to get uh, Eric Ten Hag over there from AX. I think uh, I think your choice, your your guy. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I think who I think is your guy uh, makes a lot of sense. But I think he's already what what they're saying is that uh, he's already denied the the interest. So I think Eric Ten Hag. Um, Checks off a lot of boxes. I think he'd play, he'd get you Man United. I don't know if he'd necessarily win titles with Man United and be the next Sir Alex Ferguson, but they got to stop looking for that kind of manager. I think they need, really need someone to take the next step and, and think more short-term how these these clubs like Manchester City and Chelsea are, are performing. Um, I think he'd bring them back to playing the Man United way. I think he'd... He has a history with Danny Van de Beek, which would be great for that for that for that player specifically. But he also has a history of playing very attacking, very open, very beautiful, and his teams play with a lot of heart. And if you if you if I say here and ask 
uh, any fan from all over the world, a, a true soccer fan, what's the characteristic of a Manchester United team, a true Manchester United team is that they play with their hearts, that they play with their hearts on their sleeves and that they never give up. So I think Eric Ten Hag is an unbelievable choice. We spoke about him when uh, Barcelona was were going through their, their uh, troubles with Komen, and I think he checks all the boxes for me personally. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned something so incredibly important in, in this whole piece is that Manchester United needs to stop looking for the next Sir Alex Ferguson because that's not going to happen again. And you've mentioned it on previous previous episodes. You've talked about how teams, as soon as they appoint a new manager, immediately they just want him to become that Sir Alex Ferguson figure. And that's just not going to happen. And personally, I believe that the sport has evolved way past the Sir Alex Ferguson, the Arsene Wenger. You can't stay in a job for 20 years anymore. It's not going to happen. You need to look for three, four-year windows where you will find a lot of success. But I feel like if Manchester United stays in that in that same mentality of we need to find the next Sir Alex Ferguson, they're just going to stay stuck. They're going to stay stagnant. They're, they're not really going to progress in any way in, in mentally. And, of course, with titles, I don't think they're going to win many more titles if they continue to have streaks like that. But, yeah, Eric Tenag, my goodness, that's uh, that would be some choice for, for Manchester United. And the biggest problem right now with Manchester United is that, as of right now, we're recording this on Monday the 22nd. The biggest problem with them is that they have an interim interim manager. Michael Carrick is the interim interim manager. He's the interim for the interim. So they're looking for the interim, right? What what happens, and I know this is something that has been said a lot, but what happens if the interim has an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer run and he ends up becoming the permanent? I feel like, I know, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I would not fall for that trap again. But look at who we're talking about. We're talking about Manchester United. We're talking about Manchester United. And they can probably fall for that trap again. I hope they don't, because I would love to see them succeed as much as I don't like them. I, I would like to see them succeed, but let's be honest. They can probably fall for that trap again. Um, anything else you want to add about Eric Tenag? Because that's a, that, that is some choice. And yeah, if the plan is to bring in the permanent manager in June, I mean, you're really following the timeline of the Dutch manager. I would even I'd try to throw money at AX right now and go get him. Try to try to get him out of the contract. Barcelona just did it with Xavi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about Manchester United. You think they don't have they don't have money to spare? <laughs> I think they can get any anyone they want as long as they throw enough money towards. So there's a lot of uh, really interesting possibilities. Brendan Rodgers is somebody that's being thrown out there. Personally, I think Brendan Rodgers has a history of getting these really uh, attacking, fun teams, but he also has a history of coming up short. He did so with Liverpool. He's done so with Leicester the last two years where they've been in Champions League places the whole year to just fall short on the last day of the season. And I don't. I think you need someone a little bit more serious at this time. Ten Hag's at least won the Andrew Deficit, the the Andrew Deficy <laughs> with uh, Ajax, and 
he he had a deep Champions League run with Ajax when no one expected him to. So I think he'd really um, think he'd be a great appointment. The the only thing I would say though about what you were saying regarding the interim making a run, you you know that meme about the, the with the guy smoking the cigarette and he's sweating and he's like, oh my god, I I, I can only describe the picture, but he looks like. <laughs> Oh my God, I can't take this. Do you know, you remember what I'm talking about? Do you know the meme I'm talking about? I do. I do. So someone had that picture up and they said, when Michael Carrick wins six games in a row and they give him the permanent job. It's like, you you just, as a man, I don't really know, Manchester United fans already see through this. They already saw Ali at the wheel and then the new manager uh, uh, jump. They They need something permanent now. Six, six uh, uh, a little run can't give you the job. I think they need their 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 next uh, big hire. And bef- before I leave, there's also there's also someone who just came to mind. <laughs> I doubt they do it though because I didn't. I, and I doubt he'd take it. But David Moyes, no way. Look, look at the job. <laughs> look at the job he's done at West Ham United. Yeah. No denying that. It, it's kind of like. If he had better players, he could probably instill that same organization on his next job. Maybe it's not Manchester United. Maybe he's destined for an Arsenal or something down the line. But man, there but there are worse appointments than David Moyes off the top of my head. Like I'd probably go David Moyes over Brendan Rodgers. I I see your point in that, and and I wrote down the name Brendan Rodgers because I I didn't want to forget what you were saying about him. I feel like with Brendan Rodgers being the manager at Manchester United, you're kind of just going back to square one because as much as we as we can enjoy Brendan Rodgers' teams, he's not a manager that is known for winning titles. He's known more for the collapses that he's had, and you mentioned them all. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention them again, but he's known more for for the collapses. And at Manchester United, you can't have a manager that, is known for that. You you need to have a winner. There was a serial winner out on the market. Manchester United didn't pull the trigger soon enough on Ole and look at where he's managing now, right? They and you also you also mentioned that they can throw money at anyone and convince them. Well, just throw money at Zinedine Zidane. Why not? He probably doesn't need it. Obviously not. He's he had an uh, an excellent career as a player. He's had a great career so far as a manager. But hey, who's going to say no to an extra 15, 20 million euro or pounds a year, however many pounds, million pounds a year he's going to get paid? Who's going to say no to that extra money? But but I will say this. I I've I, I really want to make an argument for Zinedine Zidane to be the manager of Manchester United. But it's not going to happen because his wife doesn't want to go to England. That's the reason why. I mean, that's one of the reasons. I don't know if that's the reason why, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if his wife doesn't want to go, I don't think Zinedine Zidane is gonna is gonna get up and and go to Manchester. But that's a perfect fit. That is a perfect fit. And David Moyes, I didn't even think of that one. That's incredible. I, I I'm telling you, dude. Sometimes you just come up with things that I'm like, what? This dude is <laughs> like like you are on a different dimension, my friend. It's crazy. But yeah, Brendan Rodgers. I feel like. You kind of lose the fans before you can even, before you even have a chance to prove yourself. You lose the fans, and that that fan base is 
they are looking for for some sort of success to cling on to. But you give them Brendan Rodgers, I don't think they'll be satisfied. You give them Brent, uh, David Moyes, I don't think they're going to be very happy either. Uh, even though David Moyes has proven himself again. But it's it, it's kind of similar to what what was going on when he was appointed the first time. He did a good job at Everton, goes to Manchester United. Now he's doing a good job at West Ham. Can he go to Manchester United? Maybe. I mean, I do think that this squad right now, should he inherit this squad, you know, in this hypothetical world, is a lot better than the 2012-2013 squad, or sorry, the 2013-2014 squad. It is a whole lot better. There's no denying that. But still, how much how much has he learned? It, it would be a great test for David Moyes, but man, just just imagine a Zinedine Zidane led Manchester United. How how do you think that would look, Chris? And, and now that we're talking about hypotheticals, yeah, I, I didn't I knew that's where you were gonna lead. That's why I didn't want oh, I didn't want to give him the surprise. Am I that predictable, Chris? No, I, I'm, <laughs> it's 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 by far the most logical choice. Yeah. If it was, if it's if it's based on logic, Zidane is the one. He's the only serial winner left. He's won at, at at Real Madrid, which is arguably a bigger club than Manchester United, if not as big. Mm-hmm. And he has a history with big players. He's coached Cristiano Ronaldo to to glory. So. You want someone who's going to command respect to the room, who's going to, who's bigger than the group chat, like we said in, in previous weeks. Mm-hmm. Zinedine Zidane can go into that dressing room and command absolute respect from top to bottom. And it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt that he has uh, another another uh, player in there in Varane mm-hmm. who played for him as well. So I think, based on logic, if you can get him, Zidane's run, the runaway favorite. I think. We already have been hearing that different reasons. I didn't hear about his wife, but I did hear he's not interested. I've heard he does not want to go to England or he's not ready to go to England. I think the he's not ready to go to England is a nice way of saying he'd rather be somewhere else. I don't think there's any way Zidane doesn't think he's, he doesn't back himself to be a success anywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. I, I I think what's the most logical, I mean, not, not the most logical, excuse me, the most likely thing to happen which is what they're talking about right now, is the loser that is Mauricio Pochettino is going to leave. <laughs> he's going to leave and he's going to go to Manchester United because those that loser club and that loser coach are destined for each other. And they always have been. And Zinedine Zidane is going to take that PSG club and he's going to win everything. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. That is funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. Let me collect myself really quick. Uh <laughs> you just called Mauricio Pochettino a loser and uh and he's destined for 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 a loser team. Okay, it took us 15 minutes to mention Mauricio <laughs> Pochettino who is the the runaway candidate pretty much. I mean, he's he's he pretty much has a job. All he has to do is say yes. Um and I was going to say before you said that that we should put our tinfoil hats on and start talking about conspiracies because Maybe Zinedine Zidane isn't isn't ready to manage Manchester United because he knows that a vacancy is going to open up in his home country, and he he would love 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 to to go back and and manage there. But yeah, Mauricio Pochettino, the likely candidate to become the permanent manager of Manchester United. Ah, uh, just be careful, Manchester United. Be very careful. 
be very, very careful because the first season is probably going to be fun and then it's just going to fizzle out. But I will say this. At this point, Manchester United, if they make a Champions League final, even if they lose it, don't you think they would be happy? They have the squad. They have the talent to make a Champions League final. And with Mauricio Pochettino, the message with that team isn't necessarily stale. It hasn't been. It's not stale because they haven't had it. So I think that they would have some sort of spark. I'm not saying that they're going to be European champions. I I don't believe it. I I can't sit here and look at you and look at the people that are watching us and say that I think Manchester United is going to win a Champions League. But they have the talent. And Mauricio Pochettino, we know that in the in the first few seasons of his tenures, he tends to bring a spark. He's not showing it with PSG though, but. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm not saying that I believe this. I'm just saying this to to spark a bit of a conversation. Chris, what do you think? No, I think the, the guy has a big reputation for falling in second, for, for falling in short. Um, <laughs> I know he has that magic of creating this new, this new era at teams, right? That's why PSG got him. The era that he's led them to is an era of losing. They lost the League One to Lille. They lost the Champions League semifinal to a, a, an inferior team in Manchester City. And I know Manchester City is an unbelievable squad. If, you hear, if, you've, if you're a listener on this podcast, you've listened to me saying nothing but their praises, but yeah. PSG are, were the better team. And they've now assembled this, this Megatron of a squad and you can't win with them. I know they're they're winning the table now. Finally, after a few months, they're top of the league in, in France. But they don't. They're not nothing. They're nothing special out there. Yeah. They're, they're 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 nothing. They're nothing special in the Champions League either. And he's already has his his run-ins with Messi, and he's already ready to quit the team and and jump ship at the first sight of, of interest from Manchester United. So, I'm sorry, man. Um, all the reasons that we listed for Brendan Rodgers not being the right coach for Manchester United is the same reasons why Pochettino won't be a, a success there. You can't have someone who has a history of falling, of coming in short, uh, of falling in second. This is all he's known for. Yes, Tottenham weren't expected to be in those positions, but it's all he's known for is coming up short. So I, I don't think he, it's the right choice. When I heard that it was likely today, all I could do is sit here and laugh and think, my God, they did it again. They did it again. <laughs> they outdid themselves. Yeah. They, they they outdid themselves. And since we were speaking of memes a few minutes ago, it's like, it, it's the one that's like, I, I had no expectations for you and somehow you still disappointed me. Something like that. I probably didn't, didn't say it <laughs> word for word. But it, if Manchester United does end up appointing Mauricio Pochettino, at this point you are asking... To not win anything. At this point, you are content with being second place in the Premier League. You are content with participating in the Champions League, occasionally making runs in the Europa League. You are content with winning an FA Cup, winning uh, a Carabao Cup, and making a big party of that. You are content with that. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say it again, because now I want to say it, and of course you were saying it, Mauricio Pochettino is known for that. He's known for coming in second. And we know that at Manchester United, that isn't good enough. That is not good enough. That is actually piss poor. If you come in second, you are bad. 
That's how it is at, at every big club. It's cutthroat. I mean, unless you're only going to Solskjaer, who thinks that managing Manchester United is all about making friends and reconnecting with people, you know that when you manage this team, you're supposed to finish in first. And Mauricio Pochettino didn't win a Premier League. He hasn't won a league on. Hasn't won anything with, well, didn't win anything with Tottenham. He took him to a Champions League final. Yeah, sure. We all know how that went. We all know how that final was when when they when when luck wasn't necessarily on their side, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying that it was all lucky because that'll be discrediting him way too much. But luck wasn't on on their side in that June first, 2019, in Madrid. We saw how that went, and then with PSG, it's it, it it's happening. And just like just like you said, they're doing it again. Manchester United is doing it again. Uh man, it's <laughs> it's. It's hard to feel bad for Manchester United because, again, they're doing this to themselves and they are asking for this, aren't they? Yeah, they asked. It, they asked for it when they when Rio Ferdinand clapped his hands and, and yes. said that they had to give a blank check to Ali. That's when this whole thing started, man. And if, if you sit here and you look at Mourinho's tenure and you look at Moy's tenure and Van Gaal, the the two overwhelming failures at Manchester United when you think about it are David Moyes and Jose Mourinho and both of those teams if you look at the stats those are the two most successful managers after Sir Alex Ferguson it's nuts it's nuts so they they they've been asking for it by trying to chase this this pipe dream of having their 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 Sir Alex Ferguson regen and they're trying for it again now with Pochettino and all we can do is sit here and laugh, man, because the, the game's passed that that board by. Yeah, Manchester United is is in a much different position now to what they were in when Sir Alex Ferguson was was the manager. Let me just throw out a quick a quick name before we 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 change topic. Uh, this might be a name that a lot of people won't necessarily be very familiar with, and might not even be too knowledgeable of i'll be honest i'm not incredibly knowledgeable of him either but i heard it on the talk of the devils podcast by the athletic because this manchester united saga interests me so much i've listened to like three podcasts of manchester united this just today the name is rudy garcia rudy garcia wow. former manager former manager of leon uh if you guys remember leon went on that run champions league semi-finalist they they fell to the eventual champions bayern munich uh, he managed Roma, he managed Marseille to a Europa League final, and he managed Lille. But they're not saying, they didn't suggest for Rudy Garcia to be the permanent manager. They suggested him to be the interim manager, just just to steady everything for the permanent manager. But then again, it gets a little tricky because if this interim manager does good, like you said with Michael Carrick, six games is all it takes to win over the Manchester United fan fans. Rudy Garcia does well, then he becomes the permanent manager, but he all I really know is that at Lille he won the league on and he brought he brought in Aiden Hazard, your boy, and he he was a success there. But other than that, he's he's kind of been that that guy to steer the ship back in the right direction and and put everything back into place. Sounds like that's what Manchester United needs right now. Sounds like that that's what they need, but I don't know. Uh 
do you do you know enough to to make some sort of opinion of Rudy Garcia? Is is that a name that that you've maybe heard, or maybe some things that you remember from his tenure at Leon? Yeah, he was. He's he's a very impressive coach. That's that's an out of the box hire that I would be kind of impressed if Manchester United made that appointment. They they probably won't. Let's be honest. Um, they probably don't even know who he is. Yeah, but he's he's an impressive coach. He, like you said, he won me one with with a young Eden Hazard. Uh, was at AS Roma, played there, uh, managed there at, at Serie A, so he had some some decent experience abroad. Uh, came back to France, uh, managed all over France, and had that deep run with with Leon. The last time, think, um, funny enough, I was actually thinking, what happened to this guy? And I didn't know he was mm-hmm. the, the manager of. Uh, uh, Olympic Leon when they made that deep run and they made a lot of, it was like, wow, I was very, very impressed with him. And everywhere he goes, it seems like he has these quality sides that uh, surprise people. So he's a, he's a, he's a quality coach. And uh, I've actually heard Hazard talk about him more than once, but uh, he's one of his favorite coaches that I played for. So that's a big, uh, a big testament from a big player. So yeah, that's a, I think that's a, that would be a, a pretty good hire. Well, there you go, Manchester United. If you listen to the one of your own, well, it's not really their own podcast, but it's it's a fan podcast, and of course, us, you might have a hire that will impress more than one. All right, we're gonna take a short break. When we return, we're gonna talk about another team that is looking to start a brand new era. We're gonna talk about Barcelona, Xavi. We'll see what happens with them, but we will also we will just talk about that first game. We'll see how that went. We'll be right back. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. Chris Sued, Alex Perez, this is Total Football Club. All right, Xavi manages first game as, uh, as finally the Barcelona coach. And if I'm being completely honest, Chris, I, for the first half, I was I was happy with what I saw. And then I just felt like the team faded a little bit. As the game went on, and then at at some point late in the second half, it was it was like, okay, we need to get a result. What what were your thoughts on Xavi's first game as Barcelona manager? Uh, so my eyes were on the the starting eleven. I wanted to make sure. I wanted to see what kind of team he would throw out there. Usually, when you get a new manager, sometimes they throw in guys who haven't had much of a chance, and from before with the old manager, mm-hmm. sometimes they throw in players who used to be starters and maybe they weren't anymore sometimes they throw in the young guys who didn't really get much of a chance uh, I was very uh, intrigued to see he went with a very youthful lineup that his onus I guess his, his focus is very much on the next chapter on harnessing the talent that's there on making sure that there's uh, progress with these players that he's going to single out as the next core of Barcelona so I think that right now, um, while how they play is very important, I think you, he needs wins and he needs to establish the mentality that he wants, which is what we spoke about when he talked about the rules last week. Them getting a hard-fought one nothing win off a penalty, while it wasn't the prettiest win and it's not the Barcelona way, he played a bunch of the youngsters they won a, a very against a very tough opponent. Uh, the person that needed to score for them did, which is Memphis, because they, they you really need him to be firing now with 
Aguero out what, what seems like the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. And um, I I thought it was very encouraging. While they could definitely play better, this, this is not the best Barcelona have played while we watched them. It's encouraging to see that they weren't at their best and got a win. Whereas with Komen in the previous regime, we've seen them get their ass handed to them. So I think it's a it's a really encouraging step and it's a step in the right direction for them. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on on the youngsters that, that got minutes with Xavi. Right off the bat, he brought in a 17-year-old to start the game, Elasha Komas. Incredible. He was he only played 45 minutes and it looks like it was it was agreed even before the game that he was only going to play 45 because he was hurt, but then he was replaced by by Abde who is a cheeky winger. I mean, this dude just he he has all the charisma in the world and he'll just take you on, he'll dribble past you, he'll sprint past you. He's also a 17-year-old. So, when you have players like that, feisty players who aren't afraid to take on their their marker. Of course, that's contagious, and other players, even the older heads, are going to be like, "Okay, well, we should play a little, a, a little more carefree, if if that's a proper term." But Gavi played, Nico Gonzalez played, and something way off topic. I noticed that Gavi plays with his shoelaces untied. Dude, you're gonna fall over. You're gonna hit your face. Come on, tie your shoes. That's way off topic. Anyway, I I, I did feel like Barcelona did look a little. A little better. And by a little, I mean a lot. (laughs) Because this Barcelona side did a lot of the things that we were were yelling at Ronald Koeman to do. We really wanted Ronald Koeman's teams to maintain or or, or to, to stay wide. We wanted them to have a lot of width. And even though Gavi isn't a natural winger, he stayed wide. And that was huge not only for stretching the opposing defense but it was huge to give your midfielders a lot of space and we saw that because Frankie de Jong started making a lot of runs into the box and I I tweeted about that because I absolutely love it when those guys from the second line of attack come into the box and they become a threat if Frankie de Jong somehow becomes a better a better goal scorer and he can become an Ilkay Gundogan type of player, watch out because Frankie de Jong might get five, six, seven, eight goals a season. That's a good amount for a midfielder, right? Now, the question is, will he maintain in this role throughout the season or is it just a one-game thing? Who knows? If it's a one-game thing, he did it pretty well. If it is something that he will do throughout the season, work on that goal-scoring ability because that's going to help the team so, so, so much. And Something else that I really liked about this Barcelona side is that they worked really hard to get the ball back. Espanyol would get the ball immediately. The wingers pressed. The interior midfielders pressed. And they would force Espanyol to play a long ball, to play it out of, uh, out of bounds. It was, it was something that you weren't really seeing from Barcelona. Barcelona wasn't really pressing high. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that, that Xavi is the man that imposed these types of ideas onto these players. Even though Ronald Koeman, Ronald Koeman, I mean, it was it was meant to happen at some point. And then you go back to even Ernesto Valverde. 
that wasn't really his style. He didn't really like to press as high as a Xavi or as any any manager of of that style, right? But this Barcelona team worked hard off the ball, and that is something that impressed me quite a lot. And let's just be honest, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Xavi doesn't really have many many attacking options. So when Anzu Fati, when Dembele, when Pedri come back, that's a whole different team that you're looking at. And they can't compete for a top four. And I know it, it, it might sound mediocre and it might even sound hypocritical because of how I was talking about Manchester United. But as soon as Xavi gets these players and as soon as he can pluck these guys into or pl- plug these guys into his starting 11, you, you're looking at a completely different team. And... Even without Usman Dembele playing a single minute under Xavi yet, we know that Xavi believes a lot in the Frenchman because he's one of the players that he addressed first when he arrived. So that's going to be a big, big player in Xavi's system. Now, another question that I have, is Barcelona going to play in this same exact system for every game? Because we did see in the last 10 minutes that Xavi started making Certain substitutions that were a little bit defensive, for example, Ronald Araujo coming in for Oscar Mingueza, which Mingueza, he plays because there's not many more options. He is, he's, I mean, I don't know if, if, if I'm in a position to say these things, but Oscar Mingueza is a very, very poor footballer. He is, he is very, technically, he's very poor and he just, he does it, he, he bites when he's not supposed to. But anyway, Ronald Araujo came in and you had three center backs and you just closed shop and you hoped for the best. And they did they did save their asses at, at the end of, of that game because Espanol had a, a good amount of opportunities. But I just feel like the reason why Xavi did that is because he wanted to secure three points in his first game. No better way to start a tenure than with a win. Xavi did it. I don't think that's... I, he probably went against his... No, not probably. He went against his philosophy making those substitutions. But hey, in in this situation right now, yeah, you can play great. Yeah, you can make a lot of youngsters debut. But ultimately, you need three points. They were ninth at the beginning of this game. They were ninth in the table. You need three points. So when you combine all of that, when when you combine the 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 different aspects of the game that were added, uh, when you combine the being smart, closing shop, and you're going to get certain starters to come back from injury, I sense a bit of calm. I, I, I haven't felt this calm for Barcelona in years. It feels like finally someone someone sensible is at the helm. Someone, someone that knows what Barcelona is all about and someone that can get the most out of these players is on the bench. That's huge. That's important, and I know we're recording this on Monday, but that game tomorrow, Tuesday, against Benfica, that's huge, massive test for Xavi. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's Barcelona have been, um, how do I say, they haven't got their engines firing in the Champions League just yet, so it's going to be very interesting to see them uh, against uh, a step up in quality from what they're playing in La Liga, because Benfica's a very, very dangerous team. So. Um, yeah, it's game. It's another test. More time with them on the training pitch with the new manager. Going to be very interesting to see how they how they do. Um, 
I know once there's always a, a jump when you have a new manager, you always have a, that skip where you win your, your first run of game because everything feels so new. But I think the progression of how they play and, and that mentality that we talked about earlier is going to be really key. So all these games for Barcelona are big, but Champions League, of course, you, hopefully if he could somehow get them out into the knockout rounds, that'd be an, an amazing achievement, I would say. Yeah. It's it's huge because you have Bayern Munich in your group and just imagine this. They lose to Benfica or they draw to Benfica and then they would have to play for a spot in the knockout stage against Bayern Munich in December. That is a tall that, that's a massive hill to climb, right? That that's that's huge and I'm not saying that that, that Xavi is is the solution but I would feel a little more confident with Xavi at the helm, right? Um, and again, I'm not saying that they're going to get three points in Munich, but and I hope it doesn't come down to that because if it does come down to that, it's very likely that Barcelona isn't going to get the result. But I don't know. I again, I get this this sense of of calmness with Xavi. It's just it doesn't feel like everything around Barcelona is falling apart, and I can't explain it. I simply cannot. Is it because I grew up watching Xavi play? Is it because Xavi is a club legend and he... I sound like a Manchester United fan right now, but is it because he he showed so much class when he was playing and, and he was a, a coach inside of the pitch? I don't know what it is. It's only 90 minutes that, I've, that, that we've all seen him play or that, that, that we've seen his team play, so... I can't really understand why I feel calm with Xavi as manager, but I just do. I think it's just going to take time for me to realize why or why not. I mean, everything could fall apart in a matter of, of a few games. Let's hope not, but I think it will take me a few games to realize or to figure out why Xavi is 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 portraying this calmness and, and why I feel so calm as as a fan and just watching Barcelona as as a person that that watches games and talks about them. No, yeah, it's, it's, he has that demeanor. Even even like we spoke about it, even in his opening press conference, he just exudes confidence. He has this 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 uh, aura to him that that uh, the moment no bit no moment is too big for him. So yeah, it's easy to see if someone on the outside looking in why you would feel more confident with a guy like that at the helm. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me ask you this, Chris, because I I know you're not a you're not a Barca fan, and I think we've made that pretty obvious in in previous episodes and throughout the history of this show. But what what are some yeah, Chelsea? There you go. What are some things? <laughs> if well, I'll put it on the screen, but he was pointing to his to the Chelsea crest on his jersey. Nice jersey, by the way. What what are what are some things that will classify Xavi's tenure as successful what does he have to achieve in order for us to classify this tenure as a success I was I was gonna ask you the same thing and I'll answer it too I'm not gonna lie all right yeah go ahead what what do you I think silverware I think silverware would be a very big step right now nobody's really expecting that from him from the from the club I think this is the 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 lowest point in the in the club's Probably in the, in the last 10 years, if not no longer. Doubt. No doubt. Last 10 so, years for sure. So, yeah, I think a, a, a step in the right direction would be silverware. 
If, if he gets – even if he does – even if he repeats with uh, Eric Corman did last season and just gets a Copa del Rey, I think that's a step in the right direction for this team right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And for this season, of course, getting silverware would be huge because no one expected it. No one expects it right now. But as the season progresses, and let's just say Barca goes on a bit of a run, expectations do change, and especially at these big clubs. But, yeah, silverware is is definitely something that Barcelona needs in order to 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 get back that that mojo that they've had but now now I'm curious was this a question on for actually for the next segment or were you just going to yeah. ask me this? yeah oh. yeah is it along the lines of this or is it sort of yeah yeah oh, okay. let's start it let's start it i'm excited now okay all right well we'll wrap up this this Barca talk i'm sure there will be plenty plenty to talk about in the coming weeks but chris hinted at it and we're going to do it we're going to take a short break when we're back, we are going to do Would You Rather questions, football slash football slash soccer edition. You don't want to miss this. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's finish this off with a bang like we teased on the previous segment. We're going to do Would You Rather football edition. Chris, ask away, my friend. What's your first question? Okay, as as a Barcelona faithful, would you rather they finish 10th in the league this season and win the Champions League or finish in fourth this season and in fourth next season? Oh, dude, win the Champions League this season. Are you kidding me? Of course win the Champions League and finish 10th. I don't care. Finish 10th. Finish 10th for the for these next two seasons and win the Champions League for for these next two seasons. I don't care. You know why? Because the Champions League win gets you into the next year's champions league so i'm cool with it man we'll finish 10th i'll finish listen i'll finish 17th if it means winning a champions league wow i'll do it i don't care there there you go i don't know if i speak for every barca fan but i speak for myself and i will much rather win a champions league just because i i remember how it feels it's been a while but i remember how it feels believe it or not so you would take so let me i guess let me rephrase let me would you take 10th and a Champions League win better, uh, rather than over 4th this season and a, ti- and a La Liga title race next season? A true title race? Yes. Yes, wow. because I, I, I can finish 1st, but I can also finish 4th. Yeah. Uh, you know, but if you're guaranteeing me a Champions League win, I'm going to take yeah. it 10 times out of 10. Or, 14 times out of 10. I'll take it. It, it, it. What if it next season it, it results in Xavi getting fired? Like, let's say that's, that he, he wins the Champions League, but it, that means next season they finish in 10th and he gets fired. You'd still do it? Hey, he won a Champions League in his tenure. Not not Great many not, not many managers can say that. Not many Great managers. Answer. Yeah, he, he can say, I won it as a player multiple times. I won it as a manager. I'll be back. I'll manage some other team. So, yeah, and this, even if he finishes in 10th, if, if Xavi wins the Champions League, he's not going anywhere. So that's a great answer. Right, right. All right. That was a great question, Chris. That was awesome. Wow, you set the bar really high. Um, okay. Here's my question for you. Would you rather would you rather have watched the Munich final or the Porto final in person? Which one would you have preferred oh, to watch live? Shit. 
It's a tough one. Are you giving away your answer with the jersey that you're wearing, or no? Or no, are you no, thinking no, about no, it? No, okay, no, no, no. that's a tough one. That's a tough one because mm-hmm. it 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 would have been unbelievable. I mean, don't get me wrong. Both of them are are pinnacles as a Chelsea fan. It's it's watching your team and 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 win it all. So there's no wrong answer. Or, or yeah, there's no wrong answer. Both of them are unbelievable. I would think probably Munich. And the reason why is because that feeling, if you were to watch it, it's as close to a movie as you can get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, being there and knowing that you're part of a, of a minority in, in a stadium that's filled with red jerseys, filled with fans, like the whole city is essentially rooting for your team's downfall and to make it out the other side. You know, there, there, there are stories about fans uh, drinking into the night with Munich fans, you know, like ch- truly sharing that experience of them saying, you're free to, to celebrate in our city. Nothing's going to happen to you, but just keep it classy. And Chelsea fans saying, you know, we'd never, we'd never rub the, the, the wound. We, we, we'd, of course, we're going to drink with you and, and, and uh, you know, drink your, your, your tears away. And, and it, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable experience to hear of just over here like mm-hmm. my god I, I can't even imagine it but those who have lived it say that there's no there's no comparison you know munich is is special and i think part of me is still coming to terms with the win in porto if you could believe it <laughs> which is why i got the jersey because it's still hitting me you know i when i won it i felt like you know, am I, is this getting a little too old for me? Because I didn't feel as elated as I did the first mm-hmm. time, but it's because that first time is so sweet when no one expects you to do it and you're the underdog. And I'm talking about not the majority don't expect you to do it. Nobody expected Chelsea to win that game. Not even us Chelsea fans. We said it's a miracle. And if you remember against Manchester City, I called them winning the, 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 the final. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I think it's it it's definitely Munich, but Porto is still it, it was still a beautiful memory that I'm still processing even now. But Munich is something that was out of body. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was surreal. Even watching it as a neutral and a heartbroken Barca fan, it was just like they did it. Oh my god. They freaking did it. It was surreal. And I had never heard that story of of the Munich fans. I got goosebumps as you were talking about it. That is ultimately what, what this game is all about. That that is that is what this sport is all about. It is it is a beautiful thing uh that that people get to share. Even even if you're not wearing the same color jersey, doesn't matter. It's the ball that unites us. Um, can you believe that we're going into the tenth year anniversary of uh, into the ten year anniversary of Munich? That's crazy. Yeah, man. I got. I'll tell you just a small story before we go to the next question. No, please, I please, got. Please. I got passed out drunk in Pence in Philadelphia watching that game, and the only person that was uh, near me at the time was my mom. So I, I told her, "Mom, Chelsea just won the Champions League. We got to go out." And I went bar hopping with my mother and we both got absolutely wasted 
And it's a memory that uh, I hold in my heart because I was absolutely elated. Like, I know going to the bars with your mom is pretty lame, but I honestly could have celebrated with anyone. And I was so happy to to have that moment. And now that I'm older, I'm like, you know, I'm always going to have that memory, that precious memory with my mom that yeah. she celebrated my club's biggest win with me. She got shit-faced with me. And it's a <laughs> it's an unbelievable memory for me. Like, I sit here and I cheese and thinking about it. So, wow. yeah, um, I, I'll never forget it, man. It's a, it's a beautiful memory for me. That's beautiful, man. That, that that is beautiful. And no, going to the bar with your mom isn't lame. That is cool. Okay, <laughs> let's let let's normalize that. Let's let's normalize having a good time with with moms because they are the ones that brought us to this world. And now I'm gonna go get shit faced with my mom tomorrow. I'm kidding. My <laughs> my mom doesn't drink. I don't drink. Um, but that, that that's so cool, man. That's so cool. I'm I'm sure you're gonna tell your daughter when she's old enough. Hey, this is what I did with with grandma and. This is how we celebrated, and this this is how th this is what happened. This was probably like the biggest thing that happened before you were born. So th that's that's so cool. That that is amazing. Um, all right, Chris. Before we start crying, what's your next question? <laughs> what's your next question? <laughs> so, uh, say you if you had your choice right now, would you rather sign Erling Holland? for Barcelona this summer or steal away Kylian Mbappe? Barcelona has enough wingers that they can make up for not having Kylian Mbappe. I think signing Erling Haaland would be the biggest, the biggest blockbuster deal for Barcelona, not necessarily in their history, but probably of this, of this decade. And I know we're only two years into this decade, but it's that significant. And Barcelona needs a number nine that isn't necessarily like, like Memphis. Me Memphis is a guy that facilitates the game for the number nine. He'll make it easy for the number nine. Barca needs a nine. They need a guy that'll finish whatever opportunities presented in front of them. Erling Holland. What was his record when he joined Dortmund? He had like two games, two games and he had scored like four goals five goals something like that and then he just continued i think as of right now he has more goals than he has games with by with uh Borussia Dortmund it would be dumb to not sign Erling Haaland killing Mbappe amazing player incredible player incredible talent will probably go down as one of the greats of all time when it's all said and done 15 20 years from now whenever he decides to retire probably 15 to 20 might be too much but Erling Haaland right here right now i'll take him I will take him any day of the week. Again, any day. Erling Holland, I want him on my team. We haven't had a nine since Luis Suarez left. And look at what Luis Suarez is doing with Atletico Madrid. So that's looking worse and worse, which should be looking better and better as time goes on, but it's looking worse and worse. You sign Erling Holland. You sign Erling Holland, and I also feel like Kylian Mbappe is like, I don't, I don't know if he's a Barca player. I don't know if Erling Haaland is a Barca player either, but the goals that you're going to get from Erling Haaland, Jesus Christ. I'm going to turn on my PlayStation now, Chris, and I'm going to sign him on my career <laughs> mode. That's what I'm going to do now. <laughs> I just thought to myself, you know, Chelsea were in on Haaland, and we're, they say that we're still in on Haaland. Yeah. Every every international break dealing with Mino Raiola is just, uh, it, it's like, you get Princess Leia, but you also get uh, Jabba the Hutt. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh, man, that guy is just a parasite. And I, when we signed Lukaku this summer and, and it looked like we were out for the Holland race, I was like, you know, having that guy around the club is just so detrimental. I know Holland, you're right. Like everything you just talked about the player, you're dead on right. He's, he's to me, he's Brazilian Ronaldo regenerated. Yeah. He, that's who he reminds me of. He mm-hmm. has the mm-hmm. power, the pace, the, the, the clinical finishing. He remind, He's the closest player I've seen to Ronaldo since I've been watching. So I think whoever gets him is, is the heavy front runner in every competition they're in for the next, you know, I, you want to hope 10 years, but you never know because a year from now, Mino Raiola can say he's ready to take the next step. <laughs> so, so you never know, but you would hope if you sign him that you got this, this talisman for the next decade or 15 years because his future is so bright. But um, I thought it, it was – I, I – I, put Mbappe there just to see if you would rather hijack the deal away from Madrid and, and reestablish that that hierarchy in Spain. But your your reasons made a lot of sense. And Holland is for sure, I think, the more Barcelona player, the way the style he plays. And then how he would, the, whichever, of the two players, Holland would mesh with, with Memphis and the other players better than, than Mbappe would. So... Your your pick made a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. I definitely appreciate that. Um, all right. Second question for you. This one's tough. Very tough. Okay. Would you rather your biggest club legend go to your arch nemesis, like on a transfer or a free transfer, or lose a Champions League final in the ninety third minute, kind of like Bayern, kind of like Bayern did in nineteen ninety nine. Nah, that's easy, man. That's easy. I I would rather I would rather see my 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 player out of rival <laughs> any day than lose the Champions League in the last minute. I think, you know, I've I kind of already lived it with Frank Lampard going to Manchester City, mm-hmm. and it it hurt. Like I'm not gonna lie to you, like it. I wanted to rip my eyes off of my face because I couldn't believe that he was wearing that color blue. And he came on and actually scored the winner against Chelsea. So it was pretty bad. And that was the year that Chelsea had Diego Costa, Seth Fabregas just came over, mm-hmm. Mourinho just came back. So so um, we were really uh, trying to go for it all. And Frank just, just had that moment of sweet revenge. We ended up winning the, the league that year anyway. Mm-hmm. But Frank... Uh, got that one that 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 one result in on us and then seeing him you know paraded off the field on his last game with 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 those Manchester City players it hurt to no end man it, it hurt to no end and I and it's something to this day that hurts me but getting to the Champions League and, and I can say this because we just got there so while I was asking myself if 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 I was still as into it as I was when I saw it in Munich. I can answer that resoundingly because had we lost, I would have been mortified. You know, getting to the Champions League final, it, it's a bit of, of. I mean, it's it's not a bit. It's a lot of form. You have to be an informed team. You have to, you know, your players have to mm. perform. Mm. But it's also a bit of luck. It's also a bit of 
like juju. Like you kind of need things to go your way in addition to you having to play well. So mm-hmm. when you get as far as the Champions League final and then as far as it having to be decided in the last minutes, that heartbreak is, I don't know how, I mean, I'll sit here and tell you that while Munich is one of the greatest memories of my life, I watched Chelsea lose in Moscow. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a Chelsea fan at that time. I was a neutral. But that memory, I, I can't shake it watching John Terry cry on the floor as he slipped that, that, on that penalty kick. And, man, it, it's something that the, the wins live with you forever, but so do the losses. And I, I'd, rather, I'd rather win the Champions League and see the player go than lose the Champions League. I just, I just can't. Those losses hurt too damn bad, man. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you on that one. I I agree with you 100% and that that does suck. Of course, it, it it's like if I don't know, if like Messi would have gone to Atletico. Um some something like that cuz I I can't even get myself to say Real Madrid, but is it sucks more to, to lose a final. I I think that would suck 10 times more, but yeah, I'm. I'm sure you, as a fan, you think more of Munich when when you think Frank Lampard. You think of oh, Munich lifting the title or and that penalty against Liverpool in the Champions League in '08. You you think of those things or the goal that he scored in the Champions League final in Moscow. You don't think so much about Manchester City. I sometimes I'll see a picture of Frank Lampard with with Manchester City blue, and I'm like, wait, this happened. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it did. It did happen. So, again, I'm not a Chelsea fan. So, I I mean, my my, my vision, my view might be completely skewed. But, uh, yeah, man, I think losing a Champions League final 93rd minute hurts as, as much as, as, as anything. Um, all right. Uh, if, if you do have any more questions, Chris, we'll save them for next week. Um, because... We need content. <laughs> Way to break the fourth wall on my own show. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Thank you so much for uh, for joining me again this week. I keep saying that, but you're you're the co-host. It's like it's like you're a permanent guest. No, you're not. You're the co-host. Um, I forgot to ask you at the beginning of the show, so I'm going to ask you now. What's your social media, man? Go ahead. The floor is yours. Uh, I was about to, I was about to plug myself. You can find me on Twitter at Chris S O L O D O L O underscore. Boom. Dude, it's it's easy, like clockwork. There you go. And you know where you can follow us at Total Food Club. Remember, we are on TikTok as well. Can't believe I'm saying that, but we are. Um, you might catch me doing a couple dances. If it means I'll get an extra 100, 200, maybe 500 views, that'll be cool. I'm kidding. Obviously not. This isn't about dancing. This is serious. This is serious business, okay? We take this very seriously. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everyone, for watching for listening of course because we i think we get more people listening than we do watching it is what it is if you support you support we appreciate it 100 take care everyone happy thanksgiving if you are here in the states enjoy don't eat too much because if you do you're gonna suffer the consequences trust me i know what i'm talking about take care goodbye <laughs>